What is up? Welcome to the first pitch Arizona edition of On the Corner. For the third year in a row, I am your injury replacement host, Miles Nelson, stepping in for Eric Samulski, who unfortunately could not be here this weekend. Uh, and as always, every year, I am honored to introduce a very special guest, brand new to the podcast. No one's ever heard of this guy, Nick Pollock. I think this is the first podcast, of course, of the conference. Uh, and I would like to thank everyone at Baseball HQ for inviting us, setting all of us up, and of course, all of you for being here today. Uh, we, we thought about what to do for this one, and in previous years, we've done more of like a bit, a bit of a review of the year. We're just going to talk about 2024 today, just in the best way we can think of. And Miles, how are we going to do that? Uh, we're going to talk about pitching in 2024. Shocker. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, you might not know this, but Nick Pollock is known for talking about pitching. Uh, and so we're going to talk about pitching in 2024. Um, you know, there's a lot that can change between now and March. There's a lot that will change between now and March, but we can look at the early landscape. Um, we actually uh, just now uh, over the past week at Pitcher List did two mock drafts. They are live on the website. You can see how these mock drafts played out. For those of you in the room, there are um, uh, cheat sheets that there will be a test on at the end of this evening. Uh, but you can see how these drafts played out. Um, there were uh, two. We did uh, ADP on them. Um, and there will be a series of On the Corner podcasts to recap uh, mock draft one. Um, so you'll be able to hear more in depth and into the whole draft, including the hitters. Yes, Nick, yeah, we'll begrudgingly talk about hitters. <laughs> <laughs> there were some moderate boos throughout the crowd, um, but we're going to use these drafts to talk about kind of the entire pitching landscape in 2024, the early rounds, the middle rounds, the late rounds, the flyers, uh, the guys you shouldn't draft, all of the above. Um, so, Nick, I mean, you were one, part of one of these mock drafts. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, what, what was your feeling as you were going through the draft? Uh, I know you have your strategy you have your preferred way of drafting pitching but did you find yourself uh feeling any differently uh as you were looking at the 2024 uh you know pitching landscape no uh what's actually really fun is as you mentioned i have a strategy always of waiting on pitching i just kind of feel uh there are so many better pitchers than hitters later on in drafts and also i play to my strengths where i want to get better hitters in drafts because i don't want to deal with that on the waiver wire in season and i feel better about my own ability to find starters in season. Um, but it kind of feels like you have to go hitters more in this one in particular, which means everyone is waiting a bit more. We're going to talk a little bit more about that soon. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what I'm really excited about today is I think it's one of the things we overlook a lot in discussion of the next season is how we actually formulate a team inside of a draft. What should we be thinking round to round and understanding the, uh, well, to use an Ariel Cohen, Ariel Cohen term, hotspots of the draft, where should we be actually targeting for the most value? And that's what's so fun about these mocks. You get an idea of like, oh, wait, hold on. I can get someone like that in the 10th, 11th round. That means maybe I should be shifting or someone else um, in my snake drafts. Snake drafts. And I do want to remind mm -hmm. everybody, this is the most standard of mock drafts, like mm -hmm. 23 rounds, five by five, Yahoo 12 settings, 12 teams, exactly. Um, so it's not your you know, NFBC 15 team stuff. So it's a little bit shallower, which does change, of course, the strategy of when you attack certain things. Excited to kind of go over. All yeah, that this today. this mock draft is a vanilla ice cream. Everyone in this room can enjoy. Um, in terms of, so you mentioned waiver wire. Yes. I, first of all, you know that there's no waiver wire on a mock draft. Like that's it's, it's, it's just a mock draft. 
That's I know, I know, but you got to act as if you have a waiver wire and you got to plan for that well, inside of your draft. And speaking of waiver wire, uh, in the list, which you published recently, which is uh, way too many words, 40,000 it words, it's incredible. But there are tables there about the players you could have drafted late or picked up on the waiver wire throughout this year. I know you really enjoy talking about these guys, especially one of them in particular. So if you want to talk about what you can get late in drafts and why you don't you know, need to fill out your starting rotation to like the most perfect uh, execution in your draft, uh, please, uh, right. uh, this is your I time. I mean, I guess I'll list these. I, this is everyone last year in 2023, every single player I'm going to list was drafted of an ADP after 290, which means if you're in your standard leagues, that's not drafted. 276. So that's Zach Eflin, Justin Steele, Mitch Keller, Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nick Pavetta, Bobby Miller, Kenta Maeda, Brian Bayo, James Paxton, Tarek Skubal, Yusei Kikuchi, Tyler Wells, Bailey Ober, Aaron Savali, Michael Waka, Clark Schmidt, Cal Bradish, Yuri Perez, and there are other waiver wire pickups as well, like Michael King and Reese Olsen, uh, Christopher Sanchez, uh, Bryce Elder, Griffin Canning, Kyle Hendricks, so on and so forth that helped you. I don't think I missed anyone from that first table, did I? No, there's definitely not anyone you missed because uh, I, I don't need to give you any more reason to talk about and this guy that you 100% missed. You know you skipped over I don't him. Know what you're everyone about. at home knows who I'm talking about. Everyone here knows who I'm talking about. We can all say it out loud. Which Kansas City Royals pitcher did Nick? not mention I love everyone here for not saying Cole Reagans thank you all so much for not falling into that obvious trap Nick which pitcher did you miss? I know, it's Cole Reagans, of course. Okay, cool, yeah. let's move on. So, uh, those are all the pitchers you could have gotten late in drafts. You could have gotten off the waiver wire. A lot of these pitchers, maybe someone in your league drafted at the end of their draft, and they probably dropped them at some point in the season. The point being is, don't go into your drafts thinking, I need to build the perfect pitching staff today. Because you won't. Because no one does. Because that's not how drafts work, right? No. You have to aim for as much upside as you can. Try to put yourself in the best position that you can. And then be ready all year long to find your Nick Pavetta's and your Bobby Miller's and your Cole Reagan's on the waiver wire. Um, is there anything else we need to touch on before I mean, we move? Nick Pavetta and Bobby Miller and Cole Reagan's. I feel like, you know, Bobby Miller's the odd one out. I'm just kidding. I am a Dodger fan. Nick, try to lean into that. Uh, so... Uh, what we're going to talk about, uh, the pitching landscape, as you do your draft, typically in snake drafts, you go in chronological order and you pick from 1 to 276 in that order. So we're going to talk about the draft sort of in that order. We'll talk about the early part of the draft. And one thing that jumped out to me, we're talking about the top 50 picks, basically the first four rounds. One thing that jumped out to me looking at our mock drafts, um, and for those of you in the room, um, you can basically see from uh, Spencer Strider to Logan Webb were basically the f uh, drafted within the first 50 picks. That's eight pitchers. Uh, in our two mock drafts, we had eight pitchers go in the first uh, four rounds. Uh, eight starting pitchers, I should specify. Um, any, any guesses in the crowd? How many starting pitchers? And I'm going to include Shohei Otani because in Yahoo leagues where he was starting pitcher only, he was drafted in the top 50. Uh, how many starting pitchers were drafted in the top 50 last year, March of 2023? Any guesses? No, you know the answer. <laughs> uh, anyone who doesn't know the answer, how many starting pitchers were drafted? We got 21. It's a pretty good guess. So that that helps. Anyone else want to try to get any closer? Okay. Wrong way. There were 16 starting pitchers drafted in the top 50 uh, in March of 2023. Uh, in this draft, there were eight. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not great at math, but that's half. That's um, 
And and by the way, so of those eight pitchers this year that were drafted in the top 50, only four of them were also drafted in the top 50 last year. So most of the pitchers who were drafted in the top 50 last year, 12 out of 16, are not being drafted in the top 50 this year. Um, now, it, I, let me ask you something, Nick. Do you think that's because we're all jaded from the bad experiences we had last year drafting starting pitchers? Let me name off some of the people that you might have drafted in your first four rounds. Uh, we can talk about disappointing performances like Dylan Cease, Shane Bieber, Alec Manoa. Uh, we can talk about, you know, people that we shouldn't talk about like Julio Urias. Or we can talk about people who got injured and missed a lot of the year, like Jacob deGrom and Shane McClanahan. Um, that's that's just some of the guys who are not being drafted. So are we jaded from drafting those guys, or is there something else at play with the pitching landscape? I think there's a lot here. Uh, hitters, I think, are really good in the first five, five rounds, and then it falls off hard. Um, and I think looking at that versus the breadth of the landscape of pitching, it just it, those guys stand out so much more. Uh, than all these starting pitchers. Also, I, I do think that our pitcher list mocks do lean toward weighting pitching more so than general ADP. Um, I also think there's a larger range than we normally see around, I'd say, 10 to 35, 40 when it comes to starting pitchers. I think I called it last year the aces of dubs, which was the top 22 uh, starters. Um, and I felt like that was the crew that you had to get in on that extends so much larger, I think, this year. Um, and because of that, it means that the, the top guys aren't as important. There really isn't as much of a space between them. Sure, you have like Cole and Strider, obviously. Um, Castillo, Wheeler, uh, Gallon, Burns. Totally get that. And I think as we get closer to it, in hours, we had them go in the fourth round. Um, a lot of them, Gallon, Wheeler, Castillo, Burns. And I feel like that's going to come back up a little bit. Um, but I'm not too surprised that there isn't a massive push for the top 10 um, inside the top 50. And then after that, it just gets this big mess where anyone can do anything. Like, where do you want to put Bobby Miller or Yuri Perez or Zach Eflin or Grace Rodriguez and George Kirby and Tarek Skubal? There are a lot of different ways to cut that one. And because of that, I think it's all going to get pushed down after that core eight or so. Yeah, and, and one of the things, so you touched on, uh, these both these mock drafts were done by pitcherless staffers. Um, whether we like to admit it or not, we are all in some way influenced by you and the work that you put out. They and one be. of the things, <laughs> for all of you staffers who are listening uh, to the podcast, I just want you to know I will have your back. If Nick pressures you into anything you don't want to do and draft any pitchers you don't want to draft, uh, you can you can message me anyway. Um, we you know so one of the things that you mentioned repeatedly is wait on pitching, wait on pitching, wait on pitching. And some people like myself, if I ever when I play in leagues with you, uh, know that I have to do the opposite because I'm never going to get a pitcher on the waiver wire, and so I'll draft four pitchers to start my draft because there's no other way I'm going to win that league. But most people do kind of fall into you know like like following the crowd of waiting on pitching, um, and unfortunately. We're recording this podcast on November 2nd. We're doing this on the first night of First Pitch Arizona, which is amazing. Um, but we haven't had, there's drafts to be had still this weekend. We could have, you know, there's data that we'll be able to gather this weekend from people who aren't, you know, uh, 100% within the pitcherless ecosphere. So there, you, we could see much, much different data in terms of where starting pitchers are drafted. Um, that's definitely something that can happen. And I had a train of thought and I fully lost it. So if you want to jump in, <laughs> well, never I wanna, mind. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I remember. I do mention that um, for years in our Legacy League, 
uh, Rick Graham, who's here right now, of course, our Ooh. senior uh, fantasy analyst, analyst running the reliever team for a long and time. And presented earlier today. And fantastic. Ooh. Yes. Good job, Rick. Amazing job, Rick. Uh, the... <laughs> I really the, uh, hope all of you at home can hear the clown uh, horn that is in this crowd. Yeah, I'll explain later. Come talk to me why there's a clown horn in this room. Um, but it, it was a famous thing. Three, three out of straight four years or something like that? Three out of four years, it was Rick Graham and John Metzler in the finals against each other. And John, every year, as the former hitter list writer, would always go four straight starters or so. It would be like one or two hitters and then four straight starters to zig while everyone else zagged. Mm -hmm. So I completely understand that strategy. Mm -hmm. And I really do think that it's about leaning into your strengths as much as possible. Rick was in this uh, mock. You took Garrett Cole and then Walker Bueller, second and seventh round. So not the same exact strategy as John, but I can see that working out for some. I mean, Jake Crumpler took uh, four straight from the fifth and eighth rounds. Um, so this can this can certainly work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, this is a mock draft. No one has to play this out, um, and so no one has to compete with you on the waiver wire for this. But I want to ask you something. So, Nick, you know, I know what your answer will be for yourself. Oh, okay, great. But <laughs> but for everyone that's listening, for the people that aren't talking about thirty starting pitchers a day every day of the year, um, say for Thursdays and Mondays when there's fewer to starting pitchers to talk about. Um, if I asked you, they should go into their drafts wanting X amount of your top X number of starting pitchers. Sure. Last year you said aces of dubs. Yeah. Top 22. What's that? Where does that cut off for you? And how many of those starting pitchers should the people who are not, again, not talking no. about pitching every single day, where should they be targeting? Where should well, they be looking? Okay. First and foremost, um, the best thing you can do at least that I do for myself, is cover all 30 pitchers every night so that I can be super aware of the trends that are happening in season. And I say this often, your drafts are so exciting. You've been studying for five, six months for this to, here it is, it's draft day, I'm going to get the or, best Or team. five, six days. Yeah, there it is. And, uh, or five, six hours right. is after your television. The anticipation stuff. of that team, that's yours, is such an important thing. However... What we do at the end of it is I say, I don't say like, okay, you have Zach Gallen, I have uh, Logan Webb or, you know, Corbin Burns or Luis Castillo or whatever it is. I say, oh, you have an SP1, I have an SP1. You have an SP2, I have an SP2. The, the draft itself is just about formulating a team that is a good enough foundation and how you actually win is understanding the trends of the season as they happen. So I do these SP roundups. And that, to me, is just my homework to make sure I stay on top of it. And fortunately, I tell you what I think. It's all right there. So you can you don't need to do that work. You can just kind of read that. And if you follow along, you'll find that you can make those changes in season quicker than just kind of, uh, you know, just on your own through the season. Because um, let me just do that work for you. So the reason I mentioned that is I my whole theory is you have to have a, a fair number of pitchers that you just do not drop the entire year. It's so important, instead of chasing for that volatile, high upside pitcher, instead go for the one that is going to be above average the entire year and that you feel so confident. You don't feel that they're going to pitch to a level that has you drop them. Now, I'd say the one pitcher that has broken that rule, oh my gosh, Jake just got me more water. No, I didn't. Yes, he did, and he is the kindest. He is the best staffer of pitcherless right now. <laughs> um, no, um, understand that I think the only player that has broken that rule truly 
is Alec Manoa, which no one is going to tell you that they said, oh, you're going to drop Alec Manoa a month into the season. Absolutely not. It would have had to be injury, and it wasn't, and that was the weirdest thing. But if you go into the draft and say, look, I have really, I generally say four guys that I'm like, I do not think in the entire year I'm going to drop. That's that's what you should be going for. And then after that, look back at all your fantasy teams. How many of the guys from your draft after your first four do you actually hold on to through the year? It is very small, that number. That is a very low number. So draft in that way. That's when you take chances. Do not go into the saying, oh, I know I need to get 120, 140 innings out of this. Like, no, if I'm going to get quality innings, I expect out of the gate and I can make a decision. Fantastic. The last thing that you want is what I call a hipster, headache-inducing pitcher stifling the entire roster. Okay? Those are the guys you don't know if you should be holding on to them or not. And when you know, you blink, and all of a sudden you're stuck with a 134 whip for the entire year that just pulled you down the entire season. Yes, that happened to me. That was Jeff Smarz, and that's why he's loose lips to me. That, okay? happen- that happened to me this year, and it was Dylan Cease. Yep. I was so uh, mesmerized by the strikeout totals. Ooh. Right. That I forgot that I lost ratios every single week. And the thing is, and we go in you, more into those strategies of what makes Dylan Cease that volatile, right? What, who are those guys? And uh, I get really hyped a lot about certain pitchers, um, especially around my ranks about 50 or so. But the thing is, those are the ones that are after that core four guys. And I'm hyped about it. I also will say, you know what? That one didn't work out. Let's move on. Reed Detmer's perfect example this year. Reed Detmer's did not work out, and that stunk. It was good for a moment. He lost his velocity. He lost his uh, slider command. We move on. But he wasn't, uh, should not have been considered as that core four. I might have even messed up and thought of him as a core four. That should not have been the case, right? That's the kind of guy we got to make sure that we don't have for our drafts. So how many is that right now? I would say that's about the end of tier four. If I really want to extend it, I... Yeah, it's around there. That is around 39 or so. I don't expect to be in a situation where I really want to drop Tanner Bybee or Gavin Williams. Um, you can even make a case as the end of Tier 5 this year. But I've actually adjusted this already. I've already moved Lucas Giolito out. If you guys have been listening to the On the Corner podcast with Eric, we've been going through all of them. I actually don't know if this one is out yet. But it's probably around Chris Bassett territory. Like, if you get Chris Bassett on your team, you probably are not dropping him the entire year. You're just like, okay, that's fine. It's my SP4. So if you go into it that mentality, then great. I just get four guys that I really like. Obviously, make sure that I have team construction, that I don't have zero wins, and I don't have zero strikeouts or so. And then you have fun. Then you just kind of take all the fun shots you want at the end of your drafts. Then you go and have a great time on the waiver wire and uh, and read the rest of the SB Roundup, guys. That's what you just got to do. Just read the SB Roundup. You're fine. That's it. Don't do anything else. Okay, so... Um uh, for the people in this room and for the people listening to the podcast. So like eight minutes ago when I asked you the mm-hmm. question. I know. I know, Miles. The question was how uh, of uh, what X amount do you want of your top X? So Four of 39. Four of 39. No, wait. Four of 45. So I'm sorry. Four of 45. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. So wait on pitching, everyone, is what uh, Nick's advice to both himself and you is. Uh, four of your of Nick's top 45 on the list. Now, the bright side of that, and, and we'll, we'll see this in the ADP, um, your list and ADP don't line up. And so getting four of the top 45 should be, a, you should be able to get more than four of the top 45. Yeah. Because a lot of those guys that you have in the top 45 are available very late. Yeah. And um, what was interesting is last year, like, Joe Ryan and Pablo Lopez were at the bottom end of that. And there are a lot of drafts. I got them and Jesus Lazardo in there too. Like I think it was like 12th, 13th, 14th rounds. 
And that was like, okay, this is the hot spot, right? Um, and you'll find that, yeah, that doesn't need to be your four. You've already gotten four, and there's Pablo Lopez. You're like, okay, fine, I'll make that my five. Now I have five I trust. This is even better. If one gets injured, then I'm okay. I've got four. Um, you'll find that that happens a lot. And I think if anyone does a mock draft right now, you if you go for two studs early, like second or third round, you'll find yourself wanting to take a picture and feeling like I have too many already. Uh, so I really implore everybody, take one moment to take one mock draft and figure this out for yourself. See if that flow is there for you. And I think you'll be surprised. I mean, I nothing to add there. Really, we just got to talk about now how actual you break. Pitchers. Yeah, actual pitchers <laughs> and breaking out your draft. And so we're going to, like I said, talk about the pitching landscape sort of throughout the draft. So we'll focus first on the top uh, eight pitchers that were drafted, that were drafted uh, all within the first four rounds. Um, we'll break it up a little bit. I want to talk about just kind of the first three pitchers because they were kind of in a world of their own for the most part in our drafts. Um, two of them drafted early in the second round. One of them drafted early in the third round. Um, in our mock drafts, it was Spencer Strider as the first starting pitcher off the board at around pick 14. Uh, Garrett Cole as the second starting pitcher off the board at pick 15. And then Kevin Gosman, third starting pitcher off the board at pick 26. Uh, Nick, how do you feel about just these first three starting pitchers uh, being drafted basically within the first two rounds? Strider and Cole, fine. Yeah, I get that completely. I don't need to talk more about them. But Gosman is just... He had a 124 whip in 2022. And what did we all say? We're like, oh, yeah, there's no way this is going to happen again. It was a 363 BABIP. We know this. This is ridiculous. This is historic. Not going to happen again. Well, yeah, his BABIP came down to like 325 or something. And guess what? He had a 118 whip. That's bad. In your 12-teamers, if you have a 118 whip, that is bringing down your whip, believe it or not. And especially when it's over as many innings as Gosman throws. That's from your SP1 in the third round, a guy who is actually not uh, not benefiting your whip for the season. That can't happen. And it's possible it gets better again. Uh, His walk rate did rise to 7% from 4% the previous year. But the fastball is still hittable. I I, I don't know what to say about it. It got a little bit better. But actually, believe it or not, in a higher ICR rate, that is ideal contact rate, essentially, it's a better way of saying, look, when guys make contact with this fastball, is it good for them or not? He had a higher rate in 2023. So I don't believe that Gosman has figured that out. And the idea of Gosman having like a 105 whip that you would want to pay a third round price for, no. You should not expect that from Gosman. He's a two-pitch pitcher where one of them gets hit well. Like, that is not something I go for. I would not be touching Gosman. Uh, yeah, no, that ma- that makes perfect sense. And, and I mean, we're far from the days when I used to tell people with Kevin Gosman, don't bother drafting him. He'll be on the waiver wire at the end of April because... <laughs> He sucks the first month. We're long, far from those days. Gosman so has really uh, come into his own, and I mean, you still have him in your top ten. Oh, I have like him down to seven now. Yeah, but yeah. But you're, I mean, you're still. I mean, this is still someone you think very highly of. It's yes. just uh, at you know being the third pitcher off the board, end of round two, a little right. high of a price. Um, the next group of pitchers are all people who are firmly in round three. Um, we've seen them go as high as you know early round three. We've seen them go as low as early round four. So these next four pitchers are Luis Castillo, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler and Zach Gallen. Uh, our ADP put them within two drafts, keep in mind, sample size small, uh, kept them within picks 33 and 39. Um, any any thoughts on this group of four pitchers? No, I mean, I, this, these are the guys I expect to go high in it. I was surprised that it was fourth round, uh, for mine at least, uh, which... Early, early round four. Early round four, but still, it's... 
man, I, I was just shocked. Like Zach Wheeler is just so consistently good. It's such a fun fastball. I mean, we have Kyle Bland here. He'll tell you all about the PLV of the four seamer. It's uh, it's one of the best ones out there. I think actually Zach Wheeler had the highest PLV of any starting pitcher this year. Uh, he's just so consistently good. And why wouldn't you want that? Um, Luis Castillo has a new four-seamer, and it's amazing. And I think it was the number one swing strike rate four-seamer among starting pitchers, and that's so good. Even Corbin Burns in his down year. Anyone that rostered Corbin Burns was having anxiety the entire time, and yet he had a phenomenal season. So, yeah, all of these guys, I, I, I'm here for kind of not galling at this spot. I like him. I think... He has a really good situation of four-seamers low, and it's really hard to differentiate for pitchers that four-seamer low with his curveball and changeup, especially with such high low location on his curveball and changeup that are both elite, which is great. Um, he changed it around a lot this year. There was sometimes he was going upstairs a ton, trying to do like the Blaze Snell blueprint of getting those high fastballs. I think it's all kind of weird, and I don't think that he's as overwhelming as some of the other guys here. However, it's a long track record of success, a lot of volume. It's very safe, and I love going after safe early on. So I have no real problem with that. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, Gallon was the last drafted pitcher of this entire group of <laughs> right. eight. Now, I'm sure there's guys in this next group of pitchers that you'd say, I'd rather have them than Zach Gallon, but it wasn't like people were picking Gallon over Wheeler or Gallon over Castillo. They were right. still getting Gallon sort of as like the last pitcher sort of of this grouping. Um, this next group of pitchers we're going to talk about, it, it. this shows like kind of where people really start targeting pitchers. I think in both mock drafts, there were heavy pitcher runs during the stretch. This is going to be basically from the beginning of round five to the end of round six so it's a 24 pick stretch keep in mind i just talked about seven starting pitchers in the first 40 picks i am now going to talk about i believe 12 starting pitchers in the next 24 picks so rounds five and six right now hot beds for starting pitchers uh, and i'm curious uh nick as I, i'm going to rattle off these names for everyone at home um and and here in the room but i'm curious if there's any i don't know two pitchers that really stand out to you in this grouping um so starting at pick 50 we have logan webb Pablo Lopez at 54, Tyler Glasnow, George Kirby. Uh, they round out basically the the fifth round for sure. And then Blake Snell, Tarek Skubal, Max Fried, Aaron Nola, Freddie Peralta, Grayson Rodriguez, and Walker Bueller are all being drafted uh, more or less in round six at the moment. Um, and you can even see, for those of you in the room, on the right hand side of your of your printout where they, you know, which where they went in each mock, they were still there's still some volatility, but they're still more or less in round six. So it's it's pretty consistent for these pitchers. Um, I just named twelve. Um, I you know, it, uh, two of them stand out. For yeah, you? obviously it's Logan Webb and Blake Snell. Uh, it is so rare. I mean, look, we have the perfect example in front of us. It's Dylan Cease. We just had a guy who had a massive walk rate, who had a fantastic season. Everyone thinks, okay, this is who he is. This is it. It's not replicated. What? How could we see this coming? Um, it's Blake Snell had such an incredible year. Uh, he throws so few mistakes inside the zone. And he's towing this unreal line of just enough strikes to not get so burned by it. His Cipro 9 fell to under 6, which is usually very unsustainable. And I, it's just not, you can't mind this is going to stick around. Also, yes, what do we got? We okay, got we Eno. Have, we have, We've got the Eno, Eno, there is Eno. a microphone right here. Yeah, Eno, uh, I have an extra chair. <laughs> what do you have to say about Blake Snell, Eno, Saris? 
Yeah, you already got. Whatever thoughts you have, so, don't say until you have so the So this microphone. is first with Arizona. The best part is Eno coming in randomly with a beer in his hand. We've got the clown horn going. We've got snaps in the crowd. With you what? Get out of here! Oh my God, it's Eno. How'd you yeah. get here? This this is what I want to raise up is yeah, the yeah, possibility that, and I do this too. Is uh, you're penalizing too much. You're penalizing too much for the things he can't do. Like he's still going to be all right. Like even cease this year, return positive value on like the worst year. And there's so many other guys that I don't know. Thirty three, dude. I think thirty three is too low. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that's where uh, you know. Uh, that's where Nick has uh, right. Blake Snell ranked. So you know, do you have where, where like Blake Snell is he top twenty for you? Is he top twenty five? Like how how much are we quibbling with Blake Snell's ranking? But I always get in trouble with buying guys who give me less fewer innings. And being like super happy with like 120 good innings, right? Tyler Glass now. Well, this I mean year. that's okay. So there's, <laughs> a, there's an argument they had of like the why I have Tyler Glass now so high is because I don't believe he's going to get the volume. But in a 12 teamer, 120 of quality is way better than 120 of quality. So maybe Snell, I right? think. But the problem here's the problem with Snell, and this is something that I do in my rankings. This is just a, a, a personal annoyance. Is I I don't want to deal with guys that make me anxious. Blake Snell makes me anxious. As a fantasy manager, we've seen it for three straight years now. His April and May are just not great, and you just don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you like? You drop what do him? I do? Is it like, do I hold on or not? We had to wait till July one year. I mean, of course, this year he went off, but he went off to like a, I think it was a 120 ERA across like 20 starts or so. Yeah, but and I wouldn't have dropped him. I wouldn't well, have, I wouldn't I have dropped him. No, I, I understand. And I would have profited. But, okay, so okay, we can acknowledge at least that like this was a peak season, right? We yeah, think yeah, it yeah, was yeah, a peak yeah. season, right? right. Peak He's going to win the Cy Young. Like, mm-hmm. I, Cy that's Young. not a peak season. <laughs> right. 180 innings from I'm not Snell. arguing he's going to do better. Congratulations, Blake no, I'm saying he's going to do worse, but less worse than you're saying he's going to do. Right. So at the rank of 33, you're absolutely I actually agree with you. I think at the end of the year, probably... But the 33 takes into account of my own sanity. And like as a fantasy manager, how happy am I rostering this player through the year? And what are the tough decisions I'm going to have to make? And I think the guys ahead, at least I'm going to have a clear well, give, picture. Give me about 32 this. and 31. Let me hear. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was looking at. I was looking yeah. at it back there. So I grouped. Uh, what I generally do is I group similar kinds of guys. For right. So give me some would so, you rather. Uh, so what? Oh, would, yeah. would you so, rather? So I want to say. Wait, wait, wait. Can I? I'm the host. Can I? Would oh, yeah, you rather? Please. All right. So let's start. Here for? No, I'm the host. Eno, Eno, Eno. Would you? Would you rather? Blake Snell or Brian Wu? Blake Snell. Would you I rather? Like would you I rather? Like Brandon Wood, don't you? Blake Snell or Logan Gilbert? Oh, all right. Well, sorry. To be to be to be fair, give me a couple yeah. more guys. So you yeah. know, to be fair, I didn't list thirty-two and thirty-one. I'm, I was trying to find as quickly as I could uh, where uh, in tier four mm-hmm. you have Blake Snell. So it sounds like we're right around that. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're not so far apart. Blake, no, Blake, like, Blake he should be 31, not 32. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Whoa, hold on. So I debated gonna... this one a lot is, um, I think the really close one, I think the aggressive one I've seen if people aren't on the same page with me is mm-hmm. I have Shane Boz at 29. That's amazing. Yeah, Blake's not yeah. Shane Boz. But I think Shane Boz. No, that's amazing. I think that's Shane Boz is. I no, think, you're getting ahead of yourself. I think okay, so, Blake, so Eno says. Slider are just are incredible. Eno says. I know, no, no, no. I'm not saying he's not good. Right. I'm saying he'll give you like 75 innings. Uh, so Eno says Blake Snell Tommy over Shane Boz. Tommy John Honeyman. No, I don't think that exists anymore. Uh, what what okay. happened? I'm not sure of it. Eno, <laughs> Eno, Blake Snell. Blake Snell. Some guys come back and some guys don't. Okay. Nobody comes back and gives you a bunch of innings. All the time. 
Not like. No, it's always okay, the first year Snell. they come we're, back. We're comparing it's it to Blake Snell, though. The first year they come back, it's fewer innings than you expect. Yeah, yeah. And it's the second year. Sorry, sorry, sorry. This <laughs> no, is your... oh, no, 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 stay no, here. Eno, 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 you're doing your job. Eno! This is the best. I'm sorry. Eno, Blake Snell or we want. Blake Snell or Brandon Woodruff. No, no. No, 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 no. That's who's. He out for the entire year. This was written before he was out the entire year. Yeah, we were kind of on you back there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Brandon Woodruff, everyone. That's what I'm hearing. So, like, these are the close ones for me. So, like, Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, Cal Bradish, and Blake Snell, and Justin Steele. Justin I have him over Justin Steele. I'm sorry. Yeah, I do too. He does too. I might even. Look at I don't like Justin Steele. I have Blake Snell over That's Kyle beautiful. Bradish, and I was the. I was yeah, the, I have I, it. I wasn't the Kyle Bradish guy. There was a lot yeah, of people I'm, on him. I'm neck and neck. I the was reason, a Kyle Bradish. The guy. reason I put Kyle Bradish higher, um, a couple reasons. One, I think the Orioles situation is great for him. Um, I also think that Kyle Bradish, best pitch is a slider. Surprised at how well um, he was able to throw strikes with his curveball through about 15 percent this year. I think that goes up. And what he did is he removed his the thing that was so down so on he's Kyle like Bradish. Like a really time. good Aaron Savali. He's he much <laughs> yes, much yes, absolutely. Um, and also I love him. The thing the about way. Aaron Savali too. I love both of those people, but they're like. But like Savali doesn't have a slider that Savali has, right? And I and Bradish mm-hmm. did this. What Savali did, which is pull back as a four seamer and pull back the sinker, mm-hmm. right? Because that four seamer is terrible. And then he's like, fine, I'll stop throwing as much. And what do you know? Success came, right? So I can buy into Bradish getting better with his curveball and slider and just be more consistently productive for you. Snell, I mean, I probably am going to raise Snell before the end, the start of the year. It's just, I see a peak season for a guy that still walks a ton of, se- ton of guys, contract year, <laughs> who also doesn't have a track history of good health, and I have no idea if I'm going to be happy on May 1st. And I'm going to be freaking out as a manager. I kind of see all those things coming together for Blake Snell. Yeah. yeah. I hate to come in between Enos Harris and Nick Pollock talking about pitching because uh, what I have this weekend what I what I have to add to this discussion is that you guys mentioned Blake Snell like kind of slow start and you know doing well better in like June and July and um, that's when the weather in San Diego gets really nice so maybe Blake Snell just doesn't like you know April weather in, in San Diego I'm just well, I'm just saying it's agents. really so nobody really likes April weather in San Diego yeah. that's what I'm saying it's really nice in June so that's all I have to contribute <laughs> to this conversation about pitching quality uh, so I want to I want to make sure we don't spend all of our time uh, we, we got it there's a lot of pitches to cover Deciding we're literally we're literally in the first 18 <laughs> pitchers out of like 75 we got a long way to go uh, <laughs> this episode is absolutely going a little long. The only <laughs> thing SP3? that's three, SP three. You're okay. Thanks. You let me out here, buddy. So, so the other one there was Logan Webb. Yeah, I so Logan moved him up a little bit. After this, I put him around twenty or but, so. Yeah, but, but aren't there like these like pack horse like the big innings guys that are boring that like will give you a bunch of innings? I'm hoping that Castillo, the slider that we saw Webb, at the end of the like year, archetype there. The the slider at the end of the year that we saw from Webb showed life again, finally. Uh, but I mean, no, he's I, always just gonna be like. Well, right. Good that's why really he's twenty. Good. He's just he's he's good. He's more consistent than yeah. I think than Framber Valdez, who doesn't know how to not throw a sinker to right-handers. I don't get it. He has this amazing cutter, and he just throws sinkers to right-handers. I've been uh, consistently uh, wrong on him. I think yeah, I've right. Been wrong on him in both directions <laughs> at different times. I don't know. It's like he does what he wants. I, I every time yeah. I'm like, he sucks. Miles Wranglison. Yeah, no, go. I mean, it's, I, that's impossible. <laughs> so what, let me ask you guys. We're gonna move on. 
we're every gonna, time I'm like, he's good. Yeah, we're, fine. So yeah, we're gonna move. Works. We're gonna move oh, on from this here. We're gonna move on from this here. But what I what I want to know from from actually from both of you. Sorry. So so we had like I said, eight pitchers go within, or sorry, seven pitchers going in the first forty picks, and then we have twelve pitchers going from picks fifty to seventy. So rounds five and six. Do you guys feel that this is the area to maybe target your first or or first two starting pitchers? Oh, yeah. uh, rounds five and six. There are more value here than potentially getting trying to go after and get two of those top seven. Absolutely. I mean, I find myself like even like Pablo Lopez almost fell to me in the fifth round. And I'm like, that's my oh, sixth starter. Sorry, you don't have the, that's uh, great. You know, it's like looking at Miles's notes like he's in history at, in 10th grade. I uh, but. I mean, it's interesting, like Max Fried for me, I have belief in maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should be putting more risk on the, uh, the forearm injury that he had for a lot of the season. Um, but I like, I mean, there are so many of these young guys. There's Yuri Perez. There's Grace Rodriguez. You're going into a different yeah. tier. We're yeah. still talking oh, about no, no, no. I'm sorry. I meant tier. we're talking I, about 50 and 70. 50 I know, to, 70. to my 50 and 70. Okay, fine. Grace Rodriguez is here. Tarek Skubal is here. I, those guys are very much in that. They, I feel like there's a range of other arms sure. too that went into the next range. Sure, and we'll 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 but get to them. They're uh, all you know, together. You know, well we well we still have you here. The 50 to 70 range. Do you feel? <laughs> He's not going anywhere. No, I know. I that was kind of like uh, <laughs> wishful wishful thinking. Why are we still? <laughs> you know, you know, like the next minute or two. You know, 50, 50 to 70, <laughs> 50 to 70. These 11 pitchers. You feel good about targeting these guys going into your draft, saying round five and six. I want to get some of this group. I should let you have your show. I'm sorry. No, I had like best. very specific me? Blake Snell <laughs> propaganda I wanted to pursue. But th- th- this group I think is amazing. And uh, I had someone send me a board where they did two hitters and then they did six pitchers in a row. From round three to eight? Yeah. And How'd you feel about it? I loved it. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Get your, get your, it's Although almost. Your inner started, John Metzler. It, it started with Acuna, so I was like, Oh yeah. Oh I mean, well, that makes well, like, so. Yeah. So awesome. he's from the one yeah. spot then, and just kind of. Went, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, Toby from Batflip Cra- or Batflip Crazy is not in this room. Uh, he coined yeah, he, poc- he coined pocket he's aces, but now in, it's in pocket bar. hitters. But now, did it in bar. but now, pocket you know, kings? saying pocket hitters one two, and then go get six starting pitchers, and that's a that's a. I think track. there's that's a pocket jack. Someone might win the Cy Young in this group. Oh, you heard it here first. Uh, right? Someone might win the Cy, Cy Young in, group, right? in oh, yeah. this group of pitchers yeah, yeah. that Obviously. includes the guy who's absolutely winning the Cy Young in the NL already this year. All right, so Eno Saris, everyone, thank, thank you so you much. Eno Saris, thank you so much. I want to. I want to. I want to point out that the last time we had a big uh, Nick Pollock Eno Saris uh, segment on uh, the first pitch Arizona podcast, uh, you know, edition was at the end of the 2021 season when Robbie Ray had his amazing season. I don't remember who was on which side of the debate, and it doesn't matter. What I want to point out is Robbie Ray went out and had like a fine season. He struck out uh, yeah. 212 batters and had a 371 ERA. We were ERA. both right. So the point is, Blake Snell next year is probably gonna be fine. <laughs> he is gonna be a pitcher, and he will be good. 120 innings Why and a 360 ERA, and I'm taking credit for that as my original thoughts, and no one else, definitely not Eno Saris, said that in this room. All right, so the next group, we got, we have, we have so many more pitches to talk about. We have so many more. 
um, you get to the mid rounds, right? So rounds five and six, it's still kind of early in your draft. There's still plenty of amazing hitters. Just for just for some context, we're talking about guys like C.J. Abrams, Josh Young, uh, Adley Rushman, Paul Goldschmidt, Jazz Chisholm, uh, Matt McClain, Jordan Walker. These are some of the hitters that are going in that same range. I missed many many more, but that's those are guys you're passing up to draft the Pablo Lopez's, Tyler Glasnow's, uh, uh, Logan Webb's, George Kirby's, right? So now moving on to this next group, uh, we're talking rounds seven through nine. So again, kind of a small pocket of rounds, but it, it just keeps going and going later. So we're talking around seven, uh, really seven through 10. A lot of pitchers here. I'm not going to name them all. There are 18 pitchers that go during this stretch of round seven through 10. Um, who stands out to you uh, of pitchers that are being drafted? And is this a range that you want to be drafting pitchers from? And also, I know you're going to say Cole Reagan, so we can do him like last. Is there anyone that's not Cole Reagan's? I'm going to challenge you. Is there anyone that's not Cole Reagans? There's someone named Roll Kagans. Also, congratulations, Cole Reagans, for getting that ring. Yeah, uh, that's great. The Rangers couldn't have done it without a Roll to Chapman. They couldn't have gotten a Roll to Chapman without you. So, congratulations. Uh, don't don't bring your Roll into this. Uh, Bobby Miller. I mean, I honestly, he only went that late because I thought he was only already drafted. He, and, so so he uh, went 107th in, in one draft and 75th in the other. Yeah. I think it's likely to say he'll probably like be like a round six, round yeah. seven guy. Yeah, uh, I'm a huge fan of Bobby Miller. I think uh, I think his slider just gets better as a swing miss pitch. Um, I think he throws hard enough that even if he doesn't have the m- most incredible swings uh, strike stuff on it, he's just going to get better. Um, especially pitching for the Dodgers, I think is okay. What do you think, Miles? Is it okay pitching for the Dodgers? Honestly, I would say yes, but this was kind of a rough year when it came to injuries okay. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, actually, you know what? We have this amazing crowd here. I want to ask you all, who do you guys want Nick to talk about in this group? You guys can look at this, oh, this sheet is right the best there. Way of doing this. From Framber Valdez to Tanner Bybee, uh, who do you guys want us to talk about? And please, someone get Kimball Crossley a, a copy of this list. I want to hear who he wants us to talk about, too. Uh, anyone, Just shout anyone it out. Heard? Yeah, tell us who you want us to talk about. Blake Snow. That's not in this group. Thank you, Jake, for mentioning Blake Snell. Eno Saris is coming back Security. to the mode. Security, please. Yamamoto. Can you? We want someone wants us to talk about oh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, uh, who went around pick ninety to hundred. Is that yeah. is that just sort of? Uh, I, know, I haven't take a shot obviously. I I haven't spent a ton of time watching him. It's kind of hard to do it. Also, relative to major league talent. Um, however, uh, everything I've seen and read is showcasing someone with four pitches that are great. Swing and miss stuff, obviously, in there. Good forkball, a really good slider, around low 90s, uh, hard mid-90s fastball. And what's most impressive about this to me is just kind of take look at Senga a bit. You have a fastball that wasn't overpowering, right? It was actually, I think, one of his worst pitches was that four-seamer. A cutter that he got for strikes a ton wasn't a big swing and miss pitch. But I could I could honestly say is likely linked to Yamamoto's um, or close to that. And then you also have um, a splitter. Obviously, that was really good with Senga. They got a lot of strikeouts. Yamamoto has a splitter here, but Yamamoto has a low walk rate, and Senga didn't. And that to me speaks to better command of all four pitches, and that just creates a fantastic floor uh, for Yamamoto. I I see him as relatively safe uh, here. I'm fine with it. Um, I, I think, yeah, I have him at 27 is, personally. Or I really, I think it's 26 now, something like that. W- so. w- without getting too into it, because we won't know who he's playing for for yeah. quite some time, and you have plenty of time to change your rankings, but is he context dependent? Like, does it matter who he signs with? Not really. I imagine a team that signs him isn't going to be the worst situation ever. Okay, if the Rockies sign, I'm just kidding. Uh, who else do you guys want us to talk about besides Yoshinobu Yamamoto? Anyone else? I want to say Bob Eflin? 
I heard Eflin. Eflin. Uh, uh, Zach Eflin, who, by the way, I just want to point out. So one of the one of the notes that we have here is where they finished in 2023. Zach Eflin finished as the fourth ranked starting pitcher in standard Yahoo five by five leagues. Fourth ranked. Uh, the only pitchers who did better than him this year in pure performance were Garrett Cole, Spencer Strider, and Blake Snell. Uh, so how do you feel about Zach Eflin? Uh, going into 2024. The way I see Zach Eflin is uh, he added a new pitch with his cutter that was surprisingly great. Um, I, It's kind of hard. Uh, I think he's fine. I think his skills overall are good. I don't see his skills on the same level as other guys around him. I feel like he got the most out of his skills this year to have the season he just had. I feel like it was a peak season. I think he's relatively safe. I want to imagine that his injury history that he had before is kind of gone at this point. Um, as enough to say that the general injury risk uh, is pretty much just what Eflin has now. So I, I want to say the skills around him are better that I hope will get squeezed out of them to be better than Eflin, who needed to do more with what he had for his recent success. I still like it. Uh, I do wonder if the Rays are, if they have a healthier team and more of a full repertoire, or sorry, an arsenal of starters. Rotation of stars, that's the word I'm looking for, that they won't have to push Eflin as much as they had to this year. So mm. they might take a small step back with him. I'm not really going to read too much into that. Um, Eflin's fine. He's good. I just don't think he carries the same. I, I see that fourth rank, and I just go, There's. The, I don't think he's going to do that again. And I think there's Hot a take. higher. <laughs> right. But I think there's a higher chance. <laughs> this is the point, though. I think there's a higher chance of the guys that are around him of actually achieving that than him. Fair point. Uh, I will say, if, uh, if you are, you know, on the fence about whether to draft Eflin or not, um, do it because it opens a whole world of kind of not, but kind, but family friendly team names because there's so much you can do with the last name Eflin. So, uh, just if you're not sure, if you're choosing between like Zach Eflin or like Joe Ryan, Joe Ryan ain't helping your team name problem. I'm telling you, Zach Eflin is so. Uh, again, I'm bringing a lot to this podcast so from an analysis standpoint. Um, all one, so uh, one more name from the group. But while you guys figure out who you who you, who's going to shout out a name, um, Nick, are you more likely to draft two pitchers in rounds five and six? So that previous group of uh, from uh, Logan Webb to Walker Bueller, or are you more likely to draft two pitchers from this seven to ten group? Like, which one would you want to attack more? Well, uh, it's probably going to be seven to ten. Just because, uh, personally, I'm I think the the hitters of the drafts are starting to hit that cliff around the sixth round, um, and then it's like okay, I gotta I gotta shift at this point. Okay, so it really depends on how the draft flows with hitters. If I mean again, if Pablo Lopez fell to literally the pick before me in the fifth round, then I'm going to take Pablo Lopez all day in the fifth round. So it's it's for you, it's kind of more like how does the draft play out in terms yeah. of where the hitter value is? Absolutely. And then once the hitter value dries up, that's when you're attacking yep. starting pitching. Okay, cool. Uh, one last name. Anyone else from this round? Uh, from Fran Bervaldez to Tanner Bibby, this 7 to 10. Uh, uh, Fran Bervaldez to Tanner Bybee, uh, round 7 to 10. We have, we have a trio. <laughs> I agree. Okay, I, anyone... No, that's not me. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eno has something. Eno, Eno is. Uh, yeah, 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 no. Okay, let's, uh, that's let's talk about that's all three. That's a fun one. Yeah, let's um, talk about all three. Uh, and so, thank you, thank you, Eno Sarris, for a fantastic recommendation. And this group back here, uh, the recommendation we got was to talk about a trio of pitchers um, who, were, who were probably very similar, and that was Tanner Bybee and two other people that Nick probably remembers who. Uh, Gavin Williams and Brian Will. Perfect. I got you, buddy. Look at that. 
Uh, so yeah, this is a fun conversation, I think, about um, about young starters in general. And I think something that I've really taken away from this past year and just has been formulating over the last like three, four years is the thing that I like the most from elite starters is an elite four-seamer. I think it's just the most consistent foundational thing there is. Um, and uh, yeah, working with, with Kyle this year on PLV, noticing that Brian Wu's four-seamer is incredible. And I love the fact that I saw starts this year where he was figuring out a sinker that he actually jammed to right-handers. And that's a wonderful addition with that. And then there's a cutter and a slider that are both actually getting there. He's had some starts where he did. It's weird. It's weird. We do. We got it. This is Eno talking about our systems of modeling, and he's pointing at me, but he should be pointing at Kyle. So yeah. So I'm just basically, right talking now. about how Stuff Plus and PLV both have some blind spots. Yeah. Sure they'll the talk about. Are my fault. Yeah, that's the voice of and Kyle Bland, of course, uh, the, uh, the the brain so, of PLV. So right perfect, so thank you perfect so much segue for coming because here. we actually brought Kyle Bland up here because we we're going to start Woo! a segment. Yeah, Kyle Bland, director of analytics. Uh, you know, instrumental. <laughs> as we get the clown horn for Kyle Bland, uh, instrumental in creating uh, PLV. And uh, we're going to start a segment which I, I was trying to come up with a good name for, and I've settled on the Rubber Bland Man because that's the only... <laughs> so, Kyle, uh, as, as uh, our, our, you know, the forefather of PLV, as uh, someone who really knows pitching and knows the analytics side of it, I just want to know, before we kind of get into the back half of this draft, which we have like 10 minutes for, uh, <laughs> I wonder how that happened. I guess we're going to go a little long on this one, part two. <laughs> Kyle, who are some pitchers that, from from your experience with modeling, from your experience with projections, are people that you see as great values in this draft, people that you're excited for? Um, talking through some of the guys that we've mentioned today, uh, kind of like Nick said, pacing yourself and going for hitters those first couple rounds I'm absolutely all for it like one two three I'm trying to just go straight hitters and then especially I mean I got to get in our next mock because yeah getting like Logan Webb and Pablo Lopez at like that four five like pivot I'm all for that like I would love that as my sp1 sp2 those are two guys that are great for different reasons like you mentioned Webb I'm a big fan I think he's got very consistent stuff I think He's just a guy, if, especially if you're in a quality start league, he's really just going to rack up those innings per start, and that's huge. Um, Pablo Lopez, I mean, we saw it in the postseason. He's just got some wicked pitches to play with. and it's and, like five. Yeah, and it, it's so good, and part of me is I want to draft guys that I want to watch pitch, too. Yeah, Like, the fun oh, thank factor you so much. is so, it's so much there. You need to have fun. It's fantasy baseball. Get a guy that you want to root for. Wait, a Minnesota Twins pitcher played did well in the postseason? Yeah, uh, he did. He did wow. so well. Because he's wow. Pablo Lopez and he's the incredible. best and has an incredible force uh, right now. All amazing. right, so outside it, so that four or five turn, Webb, Pablo, uh anyone a little bit deeper or or you know, a little later than those guys. Yeah, I'm a, a big fan of uh the Miller boys, Bobby and Bryce. I'm a huge Let's fan go. of Bryce. I'm super high on him. I think he's got just an absolute dynamite four seam. The slider grades out super well at PLV two. Um, you guys already touched on Bobby Miller earlier, that he's just got a ton of things, a ton of weapons that he can pick through that will work really well. And especially like the Dodgers are a very smart organization. Yeah, they, they know are. How to get the <laughs> oh, now you like Got them. you, yeah. <laughs> they know how to get the best out of their pitchers for, you know, the 30 Send innings me merch. I love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> but th so those are some of the guys that, that I'm particularly looking at. Um, I hope none of my league mates are listening, but I like 
a lot of those, um, I'm also shockingly high on a lot of the younger guys, Grayson and Yuri. Oh yeah. They're, I mean, everyone should be high on them. Yep. Speaking of very fun, just electric stuff, but I think that it's electric in a consistent way. I don't think it was like small sample fluke. I think it's something that you can really bank on and go forward with. Right, so to, to build on that, right, about Grayson and Yuri, excellent four seamers. I think even with Yuri, his four seamers should be elevated a little bit more, grades really well, and honestly, the locations of it weren't that great this year, and he still had success. And two amazing breaking balls with it as well to get a ton of whiffs. He just needs to get a little more, a few more strikes with it, and he's all good. So going back to the original question of Wu and Bybee and Gavin Williams, I have found myself really leaning on four seamers a ton. So even near Bryce, I'm going to throw in there too um, with Brian Wu. Both of them have electric ones, incredible ones. I think Brian Wu has like the best VAA as well. I remember looking they're at both, this. They're both they're really insanely yeah. good. Um, also, uh, I think give me like any Mariners yeah. starting pitcher. It's it, also they'll go a lot in in season. So I I have those guys above um, Bybee and Williams. And between Williams and Bybee, I I just don't like Tanner Bybee that much. I think his slider is good. His command of it isn't great. And the other pitches are not. The fastball doesn't do enough. Um, and everything else like the command of the changeup is not good enough to me um the curveball he could not locate enough uh and i i watched them a ton and i can't tell you how frustrating it was because this was someone battling himself and not the batter constantly he could not sequence effectively he didn't know where a slider was going to go he tried to throw the right fastball and it'll just be a wild one over here and he spoke a lot of that volatile guy I actually have Tanner Bybee higher than I think I normally would because I need to recognize the results were better than what I'm saying, and oftentimes I'm missing something about that, and I'm not just going to say, well, I'm going to throw away all of that data just because I feel like he's more volatile. So fine, he goes to the end of it, but Gavin Williams, I think that forcing was just going to get better. I think that his, ah, 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 hold on to the end of class. This is what I'm... Uh, well, you know, okay, so here's you know a legend. So, right, so the only argument I have against this, right? So Gavin Williams' fastball, except, except, it's not getting the results quite yet that it should. And the problem I have right now by Gavin Williams is his slider and curveball sometimes just disappear. And if he's not locating this fastball as well as Miller and Wu is then he's not going to have those days where he can just survive with that. And that's another skill he needs to get. I don't think that he's going to fail at that. He's inside of my top 40 because of that. And he's a uh, Bybee. He's in the same tier as Wu and Miller. I just think Wu and Miller are in better situations right now. They're already, I can trust what they're doing right now and get better too. I can, I, I saw a game with Bryce Miller locating perfect four seamers with an unbelievable cutter down and away. Like it was there. He had 10 strikeouts in five innings in that game. And I could see that continuing and getting better. Gavin Williams, I also have a theory about the Cleveland Guardians' development. They're so good in the minors, and then when they get to the majors, nothing changes. None of their guys like, change once they're here. And I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if I'm going to buy into Gavin Williams taking the leap that I kind of expect Wu and Miller to take. Jeff, you're going to let him talk about your Cleveland Guardians like that? Just just slander them so... so 
so so dangerously. Uh, so you should so be angrier than me. We've we've made it through our top thirty six pitchers, and uh, this is scheduled to go to eleven. So we have twelve minutes to talk about like another thirty pitchers. And we want to take questions. And we want to take questions. So I just want to because we're at the point in the draft where. Every it's kind of like a, a beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? You're gonna go for the guys that you think have the upside. So from picks 120 on, from uh, we'll go actually from 125 on, so we don't include Brian Wu and Gavin Williams in that. Um, before we ask about specific specific pitchers, I'm curious. There's a lot of different archetypes of pitcher in this in this range. There's bounce back candidates. There's injury risks. There's prospects that have shown something exciting, but maybe not all of it. There's Jose Barrios. Uh, so which <laughs> of these pitchers that you see from picks like 120 to 200 are you like, what, what archetype do you find yourself most gravitating towards drafting? Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, I get this every year also of like, who's the next blank? And uh, there's That's a weird question. What no, but blank what? Every year there's someone that succeeds in a big way and comes out of nowhere to do it. So who's the next one who's going to do that? So who's the next Zach Eflin? Next Zach Eflin, Cole Reagan's. Uh, you could Cole say Cole is the next Cole Reagan. Yeah, the Yuri is Paris. Cole Reagan. Well, right. It was Strider in previous years. It was Shane Bieber and Tyler Glasnow in okay, previous so years, right? And there's when you think about that, it's always a one of five things essentially that needs to get better. They either gain velocity in the offseason, they either gain a new pitch that misses bats now, they get an opportunity that they didn't have before, they are uh, healthy again. Um, and there is something else I completely forgot. So, uh, yeah, command. <laughs> command, that sounds good. Yeah, he stopped walking, guys, all of a sudden. Beautiful. Shout look out at to this the guy. person in the crowd. No, shout out to the person in the crowd that's in control. Oh, look at Jeff over Thank there. You, Jeff. Good job. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it, like, all these guys have certain reasons to not be successful. Maybe they do get that extra element. Right, Generally, but- I'm going to go after the one that's health because okay. health is fine, especially in a 12 teamer if they, if they are healthy. So, like, so, so I don't health, know, Carlos Rodon, like if he's healthy and throwing 96 in spring training, we're all going to love him. We're all going to just jump in and say, yeah, that was a lost season. I'll take my chances with that one. Um, I don't want to go after Hunter Green. I feel like it's uh, too volatile at this point. Like he's a cherry bomb. I, I don't buy that he's just going to click all of a sudden, but maybe he does. But it's also the Cincinnati Reds. But and the I'm potential. just I know. Dream. I know, but there's big dreams. I think the I think one of the major <laughs> lessons I've learned, yeah, love that. I uh, one of the major Don't lessons I've learned <laughs> is to avoid guys where that you cannot make decisions on by May first. Uh, listing off all of those pitchers before who we picked up through the season is only because we had someone we wanted to drop, and if we fill our teams with guys who have all this potential that we can't drop. Because maybe it does work out. They go up and they go down. They go up and they go down. Then we're not going to get any of those good ones. We're just going to hold on tight. So if we have easy decisions to make, that helps us out massively. Um, and Hunter Green, I don't think is going to be an easy decision to make. You're probably just going to hold on to him and deal with whatever it is. And I don't want that for my teams. So in, in the interest of everyone being able to kind of get what they're looking for here today, because there's some 30 pitchers we could talk about and uh you know you i'm nick i know you can go at least 10 minutes on each of these pitchers and we don't i i want to sleep tonight at some point um 
the people in the in the audience here i've we have this chair now open i want you guys to come up and ask us any question that you have about any pitcher um from uh sunny gray on down uh we are not taking any blake snell questions at this time um so please uh whether you want to shout it out from the crowd or whether you want to come up here and ask a specific question about a specific pitcher um we have yeah we have time built in for this david i see get david, up here, david david, david Nichol, come on david up. i see you sifting david, your come seat. on david i also heard sarah sanchez back there sarah what what's your question Question. Michael King, I don't have a question. Oh. I just oh. The question Statement. is the question is Michael. It's Michael King question mark. Oh man, I the question is Nick. What is your take I on Michael know. King? I, question honestly, mark. like also, entering Frank this Samples weekend, interested. it's kind of funny. Entering this weekend, I was like in my head, like, all right, make sure Nick, you there's no one you have like question marks yourself on. I was like Michael King though. I uh, that's the question. So you failed your own your own assignment. Okay, I have answers, but it's I don't I don't know if he can be a sinker focused guy and get away with it as much. I saw games where his changeup wasn't quite that great. Slider is so filthy, but then essentially he turns into a sinker slider guy, and that's like Brady Singer, and that's really annoying. Uh, four seamers upstairs, though, is a two-strike thing that he can do, and that's pretty cool, too. I like him. I think he's someone you'll be able to make a quicker decision on as well. I think the Yankees like him, and that's a good thing too. Like it or not, despite the Yankees being terrible this year, they still were a winning record, and you will get wins if you are consistently starting for the Yankees. So I'm generally high on him. Uh, I mean, I'm at 58 right now. I'm probably going to have him closer to 50, I think, closer to draft season. Um, But he isn't inside of that. I expect him to be good the entire way through. I think especially having that mentality of being like, look, if this isn't panning out, I need to go. I need to go off and get something else. I think Michael King kind of fits into that, but I am so excited to be wrong about him and he just soars into the sunset. So for the entirely uninformed who look at Michael King as like a, a long reliever stretched into a starter, is he more or less exciting than what Seth Lugo has turned into? Yes, more exciting. More exciting. exciting. Love it. Okay, fantastic. Um, Anyone else, what other questions, what other pitchers do you guys want us to talk about? Because now's your chance. Yes. Mitch Keller, oh, I no, like this. I like this. There we go. He was Mitch the other Keller. one. Kyle, Kyle, uh, Kyle. Kyle, do something. What, please. What do you, right. what do you, Kyle. How do you feel about Mitch Keller? Let me just pull up. Keller. So, like, you know, sometimes oh, yeah. when you go out to, like, eat with friends and people don't know what to order, you have to order really slowly to give them time. So, in order to give <laughs> Nick and Kyle time to formulate their thoughts on Mitch Keller. I just want to say hello to everyone here and all you fantastic folks. Thank you all so much for, for being here tonight. Nick, what are your thoughts on Mitch Keller? Uh, Mitch Keller confuses me and he's weird and I don't like weird. I did not give you enough time. No, wow. I, no that's actually what I say all the time about him. Look, here's the thing. I saw multiple starts of Mitch Keller just having the greatest command ever. If you watch, if you want to watch a game, it's a, it's inside of May against the Orioles. He's putting four seamers here, sinkers over there, cutters over here. And what's so annoying to me is I don't feel like he has that pitch that is just like always there for him. He still doesn't get swing strikes enough with his slider and his curveball. And it just opens the door for just these bad outings all the time. And I think he's going to have another great stretch. I also want to hope that I believe his trade athletics that's working with him will help him out again. Uh, And maybe he just shows up and does great things. But I just I don't want to do it. I feel like he's a headache again and I'm ready to be wrong. You were talking about an outing, the the, uh, Baltimore outing, seven innings, 13 strikeouts. No runs. It was he deserved all of and it. And threw seventy strikes thing. on ninety three. The, the hardest thing we do though, guys deserve that game, and then they deserve to not be good the next game. Wow, what? I know. Deserve? Yeah. Kyle, uh, yeah. thumbs up or thumbs down on uh, Mitch Keller? 
I think he's fine. He's got like so a like kind of a kitchen sideways? thing. Yeah, exactly. The thumb sideways. He's got, oh, Jesus, six pitches that he'll throw. He'll fling it around whatever. Ho- like you think that it works that whatever he has that day he can use. And I do I do believe in the slider. I know you are you have some concerns about it. I want it to it. be good. It just doesn't always show up. It rates out really well by, by my stuff. He's got an above average sinker, but that's not saying much. Uh, yeah, our stuff. I think like <laughs> I think that's the thing. Like it's it's not like exciting to say, but I think he's like an average to above average pitcher. I don't think he's great. Yeah. I don't think he's like the sexiest thing, right. but I think he'll be a useful pitcher for you. Yeah, he's a cherry bomb, and I oh I don't want to draft cherry bombs. We've already Max Fried, yeah. we did not really I, I, talk I, about I Max Fried. I breezed through him. Uh, Max Fried, it, it's hard because, again, we all got to be doctors for the next five months, right? Like, okay, I forearm injury, then came back from it, but then it was a blister. Um, it was the first thing uh, that we were really concerned about with Max Fried, right? And in year after year, this guy's command is incredible. And he showcases this uh, with his fastball and his sinker and then slider and curveball improved. And really the changeup actually getting added was a huge deal for him and returned this year too. Um, it's really just about how much do you believe it's a time bomb of him getting hurt again? If not, I mean, honestly, if he's fine out of camp, we've talked about it before with Glass now, like, Okay, let's say you get 120 innings on Max Fried. Those are going to be quality innings with a lot of wins, and you're going to love that. So I see him as relatively safe in that way because you won't regret the innings you do get from Freed. And who knows? Maybe he just goes 160, 70 innings and everything's okay. So, But if you're terrified, again, I understand of the forearm by all means. Uh, I think we'll get a better idea of it in the spring. Why do you hate ha! First okay, of so all, the, the question is: Is um, why does Nick uh, want nothing but harm on Brandon Fott's family, and why does he? I'm just kidding. The question so was about aggressive. the question was about Brandon Fott, who Nick has ranked outside of the top hundred. He was picked at pick two twenty four, uh, and and what does Nick see in Brian Bayo, who Nick has ranked at forty five and was picked about twenty picks ahead of Brandon Fott? So Brandon Fott, Brandon, Brian Bayo. Yeah, we were actually talking about this in the car about Brandon because we're wondering what car he drives. Oh right. my god! Yeah, this was like I, I. This is the influence you have on me. I made a really bad Brandon Passat, Brandon Fott joke. There it, it is. Horrible. Uh, and if you drive a Volkswagen Passat, I respect you so much more. Okay. In the, he is the Passat. I actually don't know cars. I was that good or not? I no, don't know. In the interest uh, of teaching, of, of making sure we understand brevity, we have two minutes. I want to get to at least one more question. So Brandon okay. Fott, Brian, Brian Bayo. Um, slider is really good. I think I underrated it a good amount. Um, I don't know how much I like the fastball, and I don't know how much I can believe in the rhythm he just had of his fastball command so when that's really it and sometimes a changeup shows up and that's cool but uh, I don't believe in that fastball being an overwhelming fastball so that's really just it breaks the Wasker and Noah rule which is you lean too much on one really good breaker and nothing else and that makes me worried a little bit about thought and Brian Mayo Bayo had a new slider that he was introducing at the end of the year. He got a lot of whiffs on it, and that's been the thing we've been waiting for because a sinker and changeup combo is great. It's just not elite. But you see a situation of a lot of innings coming for Bayo. You see the youth that suggests development moving forward, improved slider, and with a slider with a good swing strike rate, then all of a sudden, wait, you've got two solid pitches you get constantly and that big whiff pitch that turns them into 25% plus strikeout rate guy potential with a lot of innings for the Red Sox, who hopefully are better this year. That's a really great combination. And I think the best thing you can do in drafts is go for guys that have a lot of volume that you're cool with who also have potential to be much better. Um, That's your George Kirby, 
right? That's your Zach Wheeler and Sandy Alcantara of years before. Those were guys that we were fine with who also had that ceiling and then they reached it. And Bayo to me actually profiles out like that. All right, so last pitcher, last pitcher lightning round because we're up on time. So lightning round from First Pitch Podcast host this year, one of one of two, we have Jake Crumpler and we have Casey Bubba. So from Woo! First Pitch Podcast host Casey Bubba, by the way, noted Giants fan, has asked you to talk about... Fans, fans. Oh, yeah, absolutely, both of them. Fans. One's wearing but, the jersey, specifically, the other one. Specifically, Casey Bubba is the one who asked about, uh, noted, uh, noted Giants fan, uh, asked you to talk about Emmett Sheehan. That's the pitcher oh, he most man. wanted you to talk about. I am so curious. So the slider was really good at the end. It just like showed up. We're like, wait, hold on a second. You were supposed to just have a fastball, and that's really it. Thing is, the fastball doesn't miss enough bats, I don't think. I could be wrong about this. Kyle will have a better answer, I think, about Emmett Sheen. But if that slider is legit all of a sudden, and the changeup also showed up too, like that might work. I, I do wonder if the Dodgers will give him a lot of innings out of the gate. Um, I don't know if they do. We don't know what they're doing this offseason. Uh, well, well, eventually in season, but that means that means I don't draft him. I pick him up in I pick him up in season, but not draft him. Uh, that was the yeah. shortest answer Nick's ever given. I know. Now I got to supplement it. Um, I I don't know. I don't see it with Sheehan. I think especially that slider. I'm not a huge fan from what I've seen from kind of working through the background of PLV. It's got pretty average movement, and he locates it kind of high in the zone. Oh yeah. He like hangs. There up. was like two starts where it was good. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, how many starts did he have? Yeah, we're right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's a real thing that's gonna happen. Yeah, so like, I, I believe like it's a pretty small sample to work from, but I like, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna let that be someone else's headache, and if it turns out great for them, like, good job. Your faith has been rewarded. But I'd rather look for most other people. We've got a request for one more from the crowd. This is full lightning round. Nick, you have 30 seconds. Uh, which pitcher? Andrew Abbott, Nick, you have 30 seconds on the clock, go. Four-seamer was good early on, and then it got worse. And I don't trust uh, I don't trust him to get into another rhythm again. We, we saw what happens when he gets out of it. Um, and it's also Cincinnati, and I'm just not a huge fan of it right now. Yeah, it was, it was pristine command and everything, and then he lost a little bit of that, and then his stuff wasn't good enough to kind of get through it. Kyle Bland, he gave you 10 seconds. Yeah, that's a, it's a great slider, pretty mid-fastball, and that's a terrible ballpark. Like, if he gets hit around, that those balls are going yard. Yep. Not crazy. Incredible, fantastic. Everyone who's here, thank you all so much. For everyone who's listening at home, thank you. And for those of you listening at home, come to First Pitch Arizona. This is an amazing, <laughs> amazing environment. We have three more amazing days. Thank you all. Have a great night.